Hello, my beautiful listeners. Dom here. I have some bad news, I'm afraid. My half of this podcast sounds a bit awful. Uh, I had to, at the time of recording, rush back to the UK for a family emergency. Uh, Everything turned out fine, but unfortunately I was having to use a backup microphone and, yeah, something went horribly, horribly wrong. So apologies in advance uh, for the quality of some of the audio in this podcast. I hope you still enjoy it. But yeah, Kari's name is one that so frequently the feedback I got on that was, what you wrote is not what you are pronouncing. Like, consistently. (laughs) Every single person who proofread that book before it went out was like, you need to change this. This doesn't make sense. And every time I was like, for some ungodly reason, was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I will change anything else in the book, but I will not change this spelling. No. Well, kudos for you for drawing that line in the sand. That's what's important to you. The stupidest line in the sand. Hey, it mattered to you. That's what's important. Hello, my beautiful listeners, and welcome back to Reginald's Book Club. Now, you're not going to believe this, guys. We're five episodes in, and that son of a bitch has yet to turn up for a single episode okay, of well, the podcast. That... Be a bit kind, okay? I needed help with the greenhouse. I had to have someone go and try and put the walls on it. It isn't working. We did a trade, and I'm terribly sorry that you're disappointed, but it is what it is. The greenhouse has to get done. I... I mean, we, we've spoken about you usurping my butler for your own projects, and I, I distinctly said I wasn't okay with it anymore. And yet, he's out there building you a glass greenhouse in the shape of a dinosaur. Why, I mean, I thought this was what friendship was. It's sharing and caring. No, friendship is not stealing people's butlers. Anyway, everyone, this is Erin Wassing, a.k.a. The Little Bog Witch. You may recognize her from her appearances on Little Dicey or her own streams on Twitch. She is, well, she's many things. She's an environmental scientist. She's a teacher now. Congrats on the new job. And um, yeah, you. she's a she's an accomplished streamer, gamer. So yeah, very talented person. And we are here today to talk about, and I'm desperately going to try and get this title name right, The Tales of Etheria. I haven't heard of that, uh, but I have heard of a, I think it might be a similar <laughs> theme called The Tales of Erethea. Is that what we're going Erethea. for? Is that okay, the vibe? Okay, cool. Miss Sarcasm. It is indeed the vibe we're going for. So tell me, Erin, why did you choose this book? What does it mean to you? Tell me a little bit about it. So the reason that I like this book a lot is because I, as a reader, generally like turn away from books that are like very heavy in topic and theme because life is very heavy in topic and theme. Um, And so I wanted a book that was going to be an easy read that wasn't going to like stress me out to the point where I'm like gonna cry about it or anything of that sort with like a queer cast of characters that I could relate to. And also I wrote it, so I figured I should probably care a little bit about it. The title of this podcast can be like, you'll be amazed how far into this description she got before she admitted she's the author. It's my favorite bit. (laughs) I genuinely did a TikTok where I did the exact same thing. I was doing like my reading list for 2022. And I was like, guys, this one book, it was just fucking great. Also, I wrote it. But wow, a real (laughs) masterpiece. I'm, if I ever write a book, I'm stealing that wholesale. I'll just be like Please five do. episodes in gushing about this book. It's like, oh shit, is that my name? 
on, on the cover. Oh, you're like, oh my god, this little piece of tape just fell off, and what's this? I wrote it. Dominic Noble, what? But yes, I for the first time on Reginald's Book Club, we have the author of the book in question on the pod. It's a historic moment. Wow. I'm always happy to make history. Yeah, you've you've done what very few people have. You have started and finished and published a book, whereas a lot of people yes. start them. Distressingly, few people finish them. So, congrats on that. That's the first and biggest hurdle. Yeah, it really is. It. Uh, I will say that there. This is one of few that have made it to that mark. There are many a draft that began and died in my Google Drive. Yep. I mean, I even I've done that. They right. always turn to slash fiction with me, so I have to like, nope, stop it, Dom. This wasn't what you set out to write. This is a market. There is a market for it. You know that. You're not wrong. But I know. That's not. That's not. You could publish not like a nice compilation. <laughs> Dom X, anyway. your fifty favorite characters. Indeed. So give me, give me the very vaguest setup. What is? Where is? Where is your book set? What happens in it? Tell me about the core cast of characters because you have a very interesting literal crew of characters yeah so basically the way that i normally pitch this book is it is a sci-fi fantasy story uh involving our cast of six characters who are on a literal ship in space if this reminds you of treasure planet there's a reason it's because i love treasure planet yes when she says ship she means sailing ship so envision that in your head if, if you've seen treasure planet it's a good it's a good sort of it's a good jumping of. off point i definitely tried to like mix it a little bit more with there is like a varying degree of like really high tech versus really low tech and trying to like create a world in itself that's still distinctive but basically it takes place in what's called the erythia galaxy which uh as dom was very kind to point out, uh, does not operate uh, as per any real-world physics, so yes. you, have to physics. <laughs> you have to go in with an understanding that I have a biology and environmental science degree. I'm not a physicist. And, I, and yet, very little biology featured in this. <laughs> very little biology! <laughs> It's a weird one. Um, but yeah, so it is a science fantasy story about this cast of six characters uh, who are on their way in a kind of would-be Robin Hood, like trying to be the heroes that they want to be. Uh, story of going and rescuing a kidnapped prince from a kind of shadowy governmental uh, academic organization. So it's part, yeah, it's part mystery, it's part adventure, part heist at some point. Yeah. There's... Uh, there's obviously there's a lot, a lot of like character elements to it as well. It's a very character-driven story in that these are all misfits who have come together on this one this one place and found a home and a new family together, and it's their dynamics. And you know, it's it's they're, they're all very flawed characters. They all have their own sort of strengths and weaknesses and how they. That wasn't an insult. That wasn't it. That was no, no, good. no. I know. No, that was a genuine smile of like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, so they but they support each other, they make up for each other's strengths and weaknesses and they work as a team. So so yeah, so I again, you know, you and everyone else know my habit of mispronouncing everything that I say. So can you give yes. me a, a, a quick lowdown of these names of these characters? Yes, yes. Okay, let me give you them. So you have our captain of the ship, uh, Miss Serene Shinfa. It is pronounced like the word Serene is. Then there is her first mate, Ramial Puran, who is nicknamed Ram. We have our electrotechnical engineer, Kano Adbrax, our cook, 
whose name is Kari, the kind of ship deckhand uh, Maria Anna de Selye, and uh, last but not least, the kind of cultural officer slash occasional surgeon who maybe occasionally puts a band-aid on something, whose name is Sishirin Tirajinho. They go by Sash. You see why I didn't want to say these names myself, because I had no chance. Yeah, when uh, my family first read it and then called me to be like, hey, we want to tell you what we think. We don't want to pronounce any of the names, though. I'm like, that's, (laughs) you know, that's fair. I did a disservice to everyone who ever wanted to say this out loud. Yes, uh, whoever does your audiobook someday is going to hate you. Bear that in mind. I'll just do it myself. Hanno is my favorite because she's the sort of the the big, enthusiastic, hyperactive, uh, she's the trans character, right? Yes. And she's the engineer, so she's always she's usually the one who gets the job done while everyone else is the planner. And he's just like, I built a thing to harpoon God. Pretty much. I she's ah she's such a fun character because like a lot of the other ones, like you mentioned, they have a lot of like very consistent and like pretty distinct strengths and weaknesses. But Kano throughout the story kind of just continues a really nice growth pattern of just like, I'm getting more confident. I'm getting more confident. I know my shit. Fuck yeah. And it's just <laughs> really satisfying. She's exactly that pleased with herself by the end of the book. Yeah. A little bit too sure of herself, but like, it's fine. Yeah, you're allowed to switch turn to steer into the curve a little bit when it comes to your character arc. The other, uh, Kaya is the the sort of avian character. Yeah, so Kari is a literal bird person. If you have ever seen, oh gosh, I'm actually blanking on what the bird is called now. That's kind of funny. Let me see if I can, bird, mmm. The, the, the reason I bring her up is because I knowing she was a bird person, I was kind of assuming that her name was pronounced So I was kind of disappointed to find out how you're supposed to pronounce it. Yeah, honestly, so Kari is spelled K-A-R apostrophe Y-H. For the record, it's the secretary bird. I could not remember for the life of me, but if you ever want to have like a good idea of what what Kari looks like, bring up the secretary bird. Very cool bird. Well, there's rather nice illustrations in the book. Yes, there are. So... I actually commissioned, like, the coolest artist that I found on Twitter, who, once again, whose name I cannot recall now, I will grab that and re-mention it, but did really great illustrations of my main six characters that are in the front of the book, which was something that, like, I know is kind of, like, more of a child's book kind of thing, but it's just... It's something that I've always loved, having maps or illustrations or something uh, visual in a book, so I... For me, it was just something I really wanted. I know. I mean, I, you called me in tears when they when you got these sketches. Like, that's my characters. They're they they've been made real now. It was, it was really yeah, nice. it was it's it was just something really really wonderful to be able to see it realized like that in much the same way as like when I got my cover art, it was like, oh my god, that's my name. That's my book. But yeah, Kari's name is one that so frequently the feedback I got on that was what you wrote is not what you are pronouncing. Like, consistently. Mm -hmm. Every single person who proofread that book before it went out was like, you need to change this. This doesn't make sense. And every time I was like, for some ungodly reason, was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I will change anything else in the book, but I will not (laughs) change this spelling. No! Well... Kudos for you for drawing that line in the sand. That's what's important. The stupidest to you. line in the sand. 
hey, it mattered to you. That's what's important. But speaking of feedback, though, like I, part of the reason I feel uh, invested in this book is I was one of your proofreaders and I gave you some feedback. Yeah. Uh, you were actually one of the last people to get a peek at it before it went out to the world. Yeah, and most of it was just like, I think you meant to say breathe instead of breath here. Everyone's taking a deep breathe, but that, uh, yeah. that happens. You're writing like 30 chapters of a book, you're going to occasionally get a typo. It's fine. It's just hard as a general rule to start picking up on your grammar when it's your own writing because you know what you mean to say and so your brain just starts auto-correcting. But I also, like, I learned French and English as a child very, like, overlappingly and primarily used French. So, like, then being like, I'm going to write a book in English and try and remember all of the rules that go to it was yep. a really cool, uh, really cool personal challenge for myself. And well, you did it though. Like I said, there was like I found like what six in the entire book. But like, do you mind if I share some of like some of the other feedback I gave you? Oh yeah, go for it. Okay, because I the, what the first thing I noticed and the thing I said to you is like you you kind of writing this like a DM, in that you you've got this incredible creative world building and you're 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 telling these amazing stories, quick little sections about the system that they're passing, and then it never comes back into the plot again. So I'm, just, you know, these are the kind of things I said. You might want to have some justification for this. Like I said, you you just told me about the most interesting planet I've ever heard in my life. You know, these these living crystal planets, these planets that fell apart but they're still living on them. These planet, these you know, these space stations that are held in place with these bizarre pylons, but they just they're not doing anything for the story. You're just you're just world building, and then you're ca- yeah. like, like a DM whose characters aren't doing what you want them to. They're just sailing past it and never coming back. So I was very glad I could help out with that, at least, so that your story could be more cohesive. Yes, yeah, you definitely helped a lot with just, like, informing me of, like, yeah, the fact that I write like a DM does, where I'm just like, I just want to tell you stuff. Can I just tell you? And you're like, I love it. Not relevant. It's really interesting, and it complains the plot really well. You've just got to make sure it does, though. That's just the thing. Otherwise, I I spent half the book wondering when the spider people were going to come back, and they didn't. So I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, there is a, for the record, there is a spider character who appears at the end of the book. So right. I did technically a little tiny shred. You, you loaded such a Chekhov's gun. Well, we'll get into this when we discuss the plot, but there was amazing Chekhov's gun with this this shadowy corp- this company, this corporation that usually does good for people, had swooped in to save the day and they'd saved this spider planet. And then when it looked more like they were, might be the bad guys, I was like, oh, oh, did, did they... Did they make the disaster that they saved this planet from and get exclusive trading rights? Oh, that's so dastardly. No, turns out they were just, it was just only some of them were bad. Sorry, spoilers for the <laughs> just end. Just a um, couple. There's always spoilers in these things, so we'll, we'll try and go easy on them from here on. I will say that, like, yeah, I'm particularly bad for world-building Chekhov's guns because I'm constantly just like, here's a really cool thing, and then I'm like, it goes away now. There's other cool things I would like to show you. It was all towards the start of the book. I I, could, I clocked the chapter where you started firing the Chekhov's guns after you set them up, and I was like, excellent. Okay, so... That one never goes off. Yeah. How long did it take you to, to write the book, into, like, from when you first thought of the concept to when it actually published? So I first started the concept uh, the summer I was actually a government employee. So that would have been the summer of 2017. And then the book pretty much just like, as I said, died in the in, in my Google Drive for like years upon years upon years. And then in 
2019, I got laid off and I was like, you know what? I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. I like kind of figured out I was going to get a new job, managed to secure that and about a month of time off in between. And I spent about six to eight hours a day at Starbucks and just wrote. And I banged out most of the actual like written portion of the book in about a month and then just worked on editing it on and off for the next like three-ish years. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, but you stuck with it. That's what's. That's the impressive Yeah. Thankfully, I have, like, a really great support group of, like, friends and family and all that that was, like, very constantly kind of just, like, not forcefully, but very passively checking in, being like, hey, how's the book? And then, like, just kind of trying to make sure, like, they were continually encouraging me to be like, okay, no, it's okay. We can keep working on this. So the, the other piece of feedback I gave you was, please, please give me a description of the ship near the start of the book, because... She she neglected to when she gave me this book to proofies. She neglected to mention that this was a tall ship, like a wood a wooden looking tall ship sailing through space. And so I had these weird visions of star destroyers, and she kept saying on top of the deck. And I was like, on top of the deck, on the sails, the what? So I just like, could you make it abundantly clear that not all starships, but this yeah. starship is a boat. It is an actual yes. boat in space. It is the Treasure Planet Star Boat. That was the only other thing yeah. I, I desperately wanted you to change. So what? One of the things that I, the traps that I fall into when I'm writing is I forget that I'm writing for other people, which means that I make references to the things that I love, the things that interest me, and just like stuff in my life without realizing that it's not going to make sense or come across to people who don't have this very specific worldview. So mm -hmm. if you've grown up in Alberta or Canada at all, and you've been to West Edmonton Mall, you've seen the replica of the Santa Maria, which is fucking Christopher Columbus's ship, but it's just a fucking boat in the middle of the mall. I grew up seeing this fucking boat all the time, and it just got, like, into my little brain, and then, like, Treasure Planet was genuinely, like, one of my favorite movies growing up, and so, like, I love this idea of, like, just fucking like the Santa Maria, just like a boat ass boat in space. And I was like, that's great. That's the best shit ever. It's a great concept. I just wish I'd known but that I going in. But I didn't explain it at all. So the, the things I'm saying now is not a negative review of the book. It's simply saying what, oh, we, what yeah. I helped her work through before she published it. So I'm quite yes. proud of myself. We definitely, we, yeah, we came to terms on like, hey, Aaron, you actually have to tell people what's going on if you want them to know. And I was like, yep. oh, shit. What a weird concept. Let me do that real quick. Yeah, because you, you, your writing was because you, you, you were very good at painting a scene. You were very good at expressing emotions through these characters. So they were very good at like, I knew exactly what they were feeling. I knew exactly what they was they were seeing. I just wasn't yeah. sure what they were standing on. Because, you know. Uh, but then I also, as I finally realized, because I'm a massive science fiction nerd, so I was getting... So, I went into this thinking science fiction and I was expecting, yes. you know, Newtonian physics. I was expecting stars to be quite far apart. I was expecting there to, you know, the, the I was worried about the space station that you said was at the exact center of the galaxy because of the supermassive black hole that's there. Yeah. Um, although to be fair, that is the Milky Way galaxy, not the, not the Ethereum, um, Ethereum galaxy. Um, yeah. I'm saying it wrong again, also. Um, it's okay. We're just, I was just going to let us sail right through that one. Erethea. Okay. Appreciate that. 
Erythea. Sorry, dyslexia yes. brain. It just says like, nope, Dom, you are not going to say that Honestly, it's ever. so many vowels. I was just like, well, just keep putting more in because I'm French. So, so yeah, it's it's the the they're very. You wrote a character who is, we say, very emotional. The the main yes. character is not your sort of swashbuckling hero captain. She's a captain who is definitely going to do what needs to be done, but she's going to sneak off around the corner for a panic attack before and afterwards. Yes. She, but, yeah. You know, like I said, she get they they will save the day. They are going to do what needs to be done. They're going to get you know they're going to be brave in the moment, but she's going to be up the night before going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah. I wrote a character, like, Serene is deeply anxious. Like, it is, she has big oldest daughter vibes. Like, 100%. <laughs> and, like, she, I very much did not want her to be a self-insert character, and I hope that that's not what she ended up being. No, no, like, emotionally needy is the last way. Yeah. I did want to take some of the parts of, like, what made me into me and, like, put that in a, like on a spin on someone else because I do feel like that those kind of character traits are something that a lot of people who read this kind of fantasy will uh associate themselves with and can see themselves in so I wanted to like have a character who like is so clearly like dealing with anxiety and that kind of thing but like has support structures in place in her friends and her yes. crew to help her, but also is, like, working through it herself and, like, gaining her own confidence as well as just, like, gaining better coping skills throughout the book. And I'm like, good for you. You go, little one. You go get get your coping skills. And like most people with severe anxiety, she's much better at being strong for other people. Like, she will help her crew overcome their fears while sort of trying to shove hers down deep inside. Yeah, she's very much one of those, like, pillars of the community, but, like, on her own is very unstable. Yeah. So I did, I appreciate that. I mean, once you reeled it in a little bit, if you, if I understand yes. that like some of the early feedback you got was, hey, she's a bit much. Yeah. The first iteration uh, of Serene, my original editor, uh, JC, my friend, uh, hated her. Just hated her. She's like, why is she yeah, so whiny? Her. She won't stop crying. And I was like, oh, <laughs> JC. And she's like, she was just like, Aaron, I think you made her a bit a bit too much. Like, basically, you just, you just need to knock the dial back a little bit. Dial it down to a 70. Yeah, there wasn't a big... Uh, I didn't have as satisfying of, like, an ending to the book originally either. So Serene didn't have as much of a big moment at the end um, in the original draft. And that was a big flaw as well that JC noted and was like, Aaron, you can't... You, if you're gonna have a character like this, you want to end on a bang, not a whisper. And I was like, yeah. that is a very good point. Yep. So she does. She, they, they, she, you know, handles herself beautifully in the final con confrontation. Then yeah. goes and has to sit down. Just like, and we're done yes. with that now. Uh, Literally uh, takes a nap. The whole crew at the end of this is like, that was exhausting. Sleepy time. Sleep it, yeah, exceptionally relatable adventurers. Like, adventurers yes. who actually do have fatigue. So, yeah, and uh, she's also, among the many things you put this poor woman through, is having, because at, at some point she has to appeal to her, ex, her ex-girlfriend for help yes. in this adventure. Yeah, has to call up her, like, mafia boss ex-girlfriend and be like, hey, no, we haven't talked in a bit, baby, but uh, would you like to give me some information on the cheap? Which, like, God, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. I would have just let the kid die. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not calling my ex up for shit. 
Well, some of them. Some of them I would call up. Some of them, no. You're on a call with an ex right now. <laughs> I know. That's why I had to amend. I was like, switch pace on this real fast. <laughs> you are actively on a call with your ex. You are saying some nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, should I call her on that? Actually, you know what? Yeah, that'll be fun. Let's see how this goes. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sometimes I just start sentences oh. without being entirely sure where they're going to end up and then realize midway through the reality of the situation and I'm like, ooh, this is not, this was not anything. That is a big mood. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of like social, uh, socially awkward situations, uh, there's another thing I liked about Kano is that she always, she knew what was, what the answer to the riddle was, but she did, she wouldn't wait for other people to finish talking. The thing It's like, even if... Even if you're talking to, say, the royal family of a planet, and then she just bursts in and is like, I figured it out! I figured it yeah. out! I... So, yeah. She's so... Yeah, I like... Again, they all have, like, just these weird kind of characteristics of, like, being anxious or socially awkward or, like, some who just, like, are, like, just overtly, like, very touchy-feely and, like, stuff like that. Like, they all have the, just, like, these vaguely abrasive characteristics in situations that then end up being, like, quite cohesive when they're in their group together. Uh, but yeah, Kano definitely is just, like, she definitely speaks up uh, to a couple, like, pretty notable figures throughout the book, and it just gets increasingly, like, where you're worried, where you're like, ah, you're gonna get smote. Yeah, it's, no, it's I, that's that another the, thing I did appreciate past tense about the book. Is Smote. You're smoted. Gonna get smote. 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 It's got to be smote. Because smoted doesn't work. Smited. Smite. I die. You're going to get smited. You're going to get smited, mofo. Yep. It's horrible. So the English language yeah. is bad. <laughs> well, if I spoke French, we could do that right now, but I don't. I don't speak that frog rubbish. <laughs> I am English. What were you going to say? Can't remember now. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the things I appreciated about the cat, you know, because you, you wrote the most diverse cast I've ever seen in science fiction or science fantasy or anything. And one of them is just like, this is the entire crew is newly, newly diverse in some way or another. They all have, like, things. But, they, you know, they think they're functioning, you know, really well as a team. And that it's, to a certain extent, it's other people's problem. They know what they're doing and they're getting the job done. So. Yeah. And it's, like I said, I wanted, like... I just wanted a cast of characters that felt like really diverse and like realistic because if I look at my friend group, it's not like a bunch of like, like very, I guess like typical people. It's all people who have like these quirks and these interesting characteristics and stuff. And I didn't want to gloss over any of them. And I didn't want like anyone to feel like a, an unfinished character either. I wanted all six of them to feel very like you understood the fullness of who they are as a person. That's because, again, as a DM, I love character building. So most of what went into these characters was done before any of the rest of the book. Like, I built the characters and then wrote the novel. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, like, you've got Serene, who is a lesbian, uses she, her pronouns. So then you have Ram, who was born with a limb difference. Uh, she uses prosthetics, below-the-knee prosthetics. You have got Sashirian, who uh, is agender and uses they-them pronouns. Uh, Kano is also a lesbian, uh, uses she, her pronouns, and is transgender. Uh, Maria Anna is just a straight, normal woman. She's just a girl. And uh, Kari is a bird. The token cisgendered heteronormative character. You have to throw in yeah. that. Yeah. 
But I do, I gave her, I think I hopefully gave her a bit of a, a fun twist in that, like, she is the girliest girl you'll ever meet in your life, but also is strapped just fucking toes to tits with weapons. Oh, yeah, she's the one who refuses to take off dresses when she goes into combat. Yeah, she's like, no, 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 I will absolutely do this in my dress. Also, here's my hidden longsword, and I'm like, fuck yes! So, yes, imagine, if you will, my beautiful listeners, a, a ripped woman, like, absolutely swinging up from a rope around a ship, bellowing this beautiful gown behind her. That's the kind of characters you're going to get in this book. Yeah. And there's, there's the, my favorite scene is, and you told me in advance that I would have a favorite scene, and you correctly guessed which one it'd be, because you, to a certain extent, wrote this entire book around this vision that you had yeah. in your head. So I was reading it, and you, you got a text message from me just saying, is it the space mermaid, the giant space mermaid, mermaids made of fire? Because, yes, that was my favorite scene. Yeah, these, these, so... Space mermaids made of fire and death. Well, not death, they're actually quite friendly. Yes. One of them is kind of the avatar of life, and one of them is kind of the avatar of death, but in a very, like, neutral sense. Like, they're very, like, lawful neutral characters. But, yeah, so when it all comes, like, when I break this thing down to, like, it's very bare, like, minimum of, like, what was the inspiration for this book? I have been on Tumblr since 2009, the idea of space whales has been around for forever. We all love the space whales. I love the space whales. My Literally one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who is uh, the 11th Doctor with... Space, uh, it's yeah. New England, uh, that episode. Um, or New New England. Anyways, it doesn't matter what it's called. You know which one I'm talking about if you've seen it. Space whales, I love. Way back a million years ago, there was a tweet that someone was like, oh, I've like thought about space whales, what about space mermaids? And someone drew like a mermaid that was like part of a comet, and then like someone else had tweeted, and it all like got cataloged up in a Tumblr post. And that idea stuck with me, and I actually, when I first saw it like forever and a day ago, I messaged the like the original author of like the tweet being like, hey, if ever I want to use this for a book someday, can I? And he was like, yeah, sure. Like, what the fuck? And I was like, cool, thanks. Yeah. Just, just covering my bases. You know, it's 2010. Want to never get canceled for anything. Um, and uh, <laughs> I can't imagine that... intellectual theft on Twitter is ever going to be that much of a... You know, I just... It's kind of like how... We're in the TikTok era where anything you put online belongs to everyone, you know? There's, you're encouraged to stitch and mirror and It's respond. true, yeah. but it was just... I thought it was such a beautiful idea, and I wanted so badly for him to know that I was like, I loved this, and it really is going to stick with me, and I know that right now, forever and a day ago, I know that I'm going to love this forever. And so, like, I always joke that if I show, you, if I show someone stuff from my Tumblr, uh, it's like my diary, because I've kept it since 2009, and I routinely go through my likes and, like, weed out the ones that are no longer, like, impactful to me. So I've distilled down, like, this list of stuff that I love, and that Star Maid is what they call them. Uh, Star Maid tweet has stayed in there since I originally found it. And that was the basis for the whole novel. It all spiraled out from that. <laughs> yeah, no, I I enjoyed that scene because that was also, I believe, Kano's moment because she had gone from this girl who was like stuttered every time someone looked her in the eye to her basically looking God in the eye and saying, look, either help us or fuck you. 
you know? I was like, yeah, but your girls, your girls finished her arc. All right. Yeah, exactly. That's the point where you like, you really get it. And you're like, oh shit. Yeah. She knows she's a badass. Like this is her moment. And it was, yeah, it was really satisfying to write that scene. And I thought, because shortly after that, she almost blows herself up with a harpoon gun, like a rocket-powered harpoon gun. I thought, you are not killing her off just after she found her pussy. So, you only horribly burned her, so that's fine. Yes, that's she fine. does end up that quite badly burned, but, yeah, uh, yeah she, she's okay. She ends up okay. This is a yeah. space world with, you know, all of the gits and gadgets, so, like, she... It, it happens after the book ends, but she does obviously go and get healed up, and she's fine. Indeed. She, they are, I like to imagine uh, not, that she keeps some sort of cool scar, though, because that seems very her. Yes. She's in big into the body mod, which is fine. I mean, so, like, much like the book's author, you, you, you sent me, like, at least five new tattoos recently. Yes. I, since the last time you saw me in person, have gotten, I think, seven new tattoos. <laughs> Anyway, we'll save this for the VIP section, which everyone, you should be signing up to Patreon if you want to see the VIP section and be watching this with video, seeing our beautiful faces. They are so beautiful. I will also say that if you sign up on the Patreon, you get access to the Discord, of which I am the moderator. So you get to hang out with me. The little bold witch is your lord and master on Discord. The little mod witch is there. The little mod witch, you could log on there and tell her how much you enjoyed her book after you buy it after listening to this podcast. You can. Or you can tell me if you hated it. That's also fine. I'm sure that won't be awful for her at all. You guys are genuinely... I love feedback. Feedback is great. I would never never ban someone for doing what they think is creative or constructive feedback. That's fine. I will ban you if you say something nasty to just be nasty. We don't allow nastiness in the kingdom of Dom. The kingdom of the kingdom of kingdom is my Discord server, for obvious reasons. But yes, uh, let's see what are, what are the notes that I have for you on this one. So yeah, so the basic plot is this: this crew is just trying to make it in this world. They're just trying to sail their ship, and they get sort of roped into this mission that is really probably above their pay grade. But it's yeah. one of those situations where it's like we don't really have anyone else to turn to at this point, so we're gonna roll the dice on you guys, please. Yeah, and they're like, but I, so. So it's basically a situation of, like, they're like, hey, we had, like, a very prominent, like, royal figure, the, like, crown prince of a very rich plant or, like, system in this galaxy gets kidnapped. System made of diamonds, so it's pretty damn rich. (laughs) Yeah, they're a little rich. Uh, So the the family is like, we got two options. We can either cause a big fucking stink and send the whole ass military after him, in which case that could start basically a race to find him and expose him to the potential of being taken or killed by someone else who's bad. Yeah, any any way place this Space Navy has to pass through will probably end up at war with them because you can't really send the military just anywhere you want. Exactly, so it's kind of like, hey, do we do that or do we kind of try and send a stealth mission in to try and go rescue him and without causing a big problem, which ends up being what they go for because what the, prior to this, what the crew of the boat is called, the Charlotte, uh, what the crew of the Charlotte has been known for is these kind of like nasty boy Robin Hood missions where yes, they're they like, just finished a heist when they're picked up for this. 
though. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. So they do some more like cargo, like cargo running and like basic shit. But then it's also like, we're going to break into this museum and steal a bunch of artifacts and take them back to their like actual owners, the people who made them. Indiana Jones. Yeah, exactly. They they reverse Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes, That's what I should have called them. Guy. They're not Robin Hoods. They're reverse Indiana Jones. Can I unpublish the novel and re-pitch it? I, I mean, if George Lucas can keep doing it to Star Wars. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I want to yeah, so undo then, the whole it, thing. It turns into a mystery at that point, so they have to try and investigate and figure out where the hell this this prince is being kept. Then it's a it's kind of a chase for a, a while after that because the yeah. people who have taken the kid obviously don't want to give him up, and they are quite canny. And it's so it doesn't it's not all like a winning streak for our heroes. They have to no. they get some pretty serious setback, including getting blasted out into the unbelievable madness of the gaps between galaxies, which is yes, a, yeah, not a place you want to go into because it's it seems like. The laws of physics are already a bit tenuous in this galaxy, and they are just out the window once you step yeah, outside the galaxy. They just, they just don't exist. They just are not there. Yeah. But it is also... One of my original comments on that was that I introduced this game uh, called Farkle to the world of uh, my book. However, Farkle is like a real-world dice game that like I play with my family that I've introduced some of my friends to, which is why they think it's very funny that I've then put it into my fantasy novel. Um, but I use <laughs> that to like illustrate how poorly like physics works at other times in the like in the story. And I I don't know if people will would have picked up on that had I not like now shared it. And if you go and read it, you'll be like, oh, I see what you mean. But yeah, it's like, okay, look, now dice works weird. Woo! <laughs> It's good to have a constant thing to look at and say, okay, it's, they're going up, and now we have to deal with this. The dice are falling upwards. Yeah, exactly. I try and, like, I try and knowingly that, or knowing that I don't have a, like, my physics is consistent in the yes. entire universe, but it, does, it, it doesn't mean that it makes sense. Yes. So I try and make it clear what's happening. Yeah, at least when it's all getting weirder than usual. Because uh, yeah. yes, I, I will say this is definitely not a science fiction book. This is a science fantasy book, which is yes, know, uh, a good you know the mindset to go when you pick it up. You're not gonna. This isn't Star Trek. This isn't Star Wars. Well, Star Wars is kind of fantasy, but it's Treasure Planet is the closest thing I can compare it to. But it's not like Treasure Planet fan fiction. It is its own universe with its own set of rules that didn't make any sense to me, but are at least consistent. Yeah, uh, most of the feedback that I got from Dom when he first started was just like, Aaron, what the fuck? Like, what is happening? And like, hey, you we were still like dating at this point. No, we were still dating at this point, so it was very kind where I'd be like, hey, sweetie, uh, just wondering if you understand how black holes work. And I'd be like, absolutely the fuck not I do. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Of course I don't know how black holes work. After the third time I was confused, I feel like that was kind of on me because you just have to let go of expecting you just have to science. Let it be. I feel like you got about like a good like fifteen percent in. Yeah, you know, like I said, it, yeah, because like a, a, a planet that started to fall apart but is being held together by spider threads is a really clever idea, and I would, I'm, sh it's a lot easier to appreciate when you let go of your insistence that it doesn't make sense. That's yeah. So yeah, you're in a, it's it's the rule of cool for this entire galaxy, and if you accept that, Fuck you're going to yeah. really enjoy the book. Fuck yeah! Again. I wrote it like a DM. The rule of cool is the abiding rule of everything that I do in my life and my writing.
And yeah, and she's not afraid to tug on your heartstrings on this one, because like at the very start of this quest, she had the the little sister of the missing prince just wander in and be like, you, know, you are going to stop my brother from dying, right? I'm very sad about the situation. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I, it's like uh... a second to comfort a child. That, that's right. Yeah, it's not going to make you cry. I just, I wanted it to feel poignant because I know that, like, I don't set up terribly high stakes in this book. Like, it's not like a, you gotta stop this intergalactic war and there's, like, space battles all over the place and you're gonna need to, like, kill 40 people and meh, meh, meh. But I still wanted it to feel important. And the way that I wanted to show that it was important is showing the people it was important to. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted it to not be like, go rescue this prince. I wanted it to be like, go rescue our son. Like, this yes, is our that's family. that's the good way of putting it. He was a son first to these people and a prince second. So that, well, that was good. Yeah. And then, and yeah, so then they, they do track down things and then they, they figure out where they are, which is a place that they really don't want to go to because it's going to cause all the end of trouble. And these aren't people you want to mess with, surprisingly. Uh, and yeah, so then it becomes a bit more of a heist sort of situation because yes. they have to try and infiltrate this thing and get this prince back. And yes, then it then it turns into just kind of like, okay, can we resolve this peacefully? No, well, I'm going to shoot you in the fucking kneecap then. <laughs> I had so much fun writing that fight scene. It was so fun because it's it's not one fight scene. It's like six individual fights all happening simultaneously. Because I was basically yeah. like, how can I make this the most fun possible? Well. Pretty much every crew member is just going to get their own adversary. Go! Yeah, they're not really... They're, they're good at working as a team usually. When it comes to fighting, it's just they kind of just do their own thing. Because this isn't... Yeah, they really do game. all kind of just split off. I feel like yeah. they all have fairly distinct and, I think, representative fighting styles as well. So it's very much like it makes sense that they're not, like, most of them aren't pairing up. They are very, like, they have their own strengths and for the most part can really handle their shit. Mm -hmm. Which I did want to show that, like, when it all comes down to it, each and pretty much every one of them can hold their own. Yeah, they do have wildly different levels of enthusiasm for fighting, but they all yes. can when when the chips are down. Yeah, Kano's very much like, ah, ah, ah! Yeah. Uh, for the people listening at home, she's doing a punch, then staring at the punch. Because <laughs> only only patrons get the visuals, so you, you missed a good visual gag there. <laughs> Sorry guys, that was a Patreon-exclusive joke. Yeah, all the people at home, all they heard was you saying, ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that'll make for really good audio. I think that they're going to... Yeah, it's going to sound like I murdered you on a podcast. I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. no one will take that out of context. Yeah, this is the inherent issue with podcasts is that, yeah, visual bits are very funny sometimes uh, and cannot, cannot exist. My, my thing is I keep nodding, then remembering people, most people listening to this can't see that and saying, uh-huh, yep. yes, mm -hmm. So, but yes, yeah. uh, Kano's the kind of fighter I think would punch you in the face and apologize as you fly across the room. Like, sorry! Dish. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So, it yeah. Is, uh, yeah, it was just fun. Yeah. So I'll try not to go into too many more spoilers, because I said this is a book I, I would like to encourage people to, to get for yourself, so we will include in the show notes and everywhere this is posted places to get this yes. book, assuming it's still... You haven't been attacked by any anti-publishing... Excellent. No, it's still good to go. Uh, you can basically, if you go to www.littlebogwitch.com, uh, all of the links for purchase are there. And if one doesn't exist for the country that you're in, you can just shoot me a message uh, and I will make sure that I make it available for you. Excellent.
Excellent. So is there anything else you'd like, anything you want to talk about in the writing of this book or about this book, about the storyline, the character? What, do, you, I mean, do you have a favourite or do you just love them all equally as every good mother should? I do. I will say that I, I do love them all equally, but I will say that like my personal favourite in terms of like just character creation was Sash. I think that Sash is so fucking cool. Their character design is my, like, I think my most, like, alien of the character designs. Um, you guys, when you, if you pick up the book, you'll know which one is them immediately. It is very clear which one is the alien. Um, they're all, like, I will say, uh, Ram is the only human in the bunch. The rest are aliens. They're just kind of alien-ish or non-humanoid to varying degrees. But yeah, so writing Sash was very fun, as well as the world building that I did for Sash's home planet, which I don't know how much about it actually makes it into the final cut. Uh, I honestly don't remember, but that was really cool for me too. Um, you did, like I said, you, you did, you did what I suggested. You cut down just a little bit of the world building. I did, so I don't know. How, I can't remember how much is actually in there, but some is oh, in there. But yeah, uh, that was really fun, and honestly, like. All I can say about the book is that it was very much like, it's my first novel. It is not a perfect book. It is a book that I love very deeply and I would love to have people read it and enjoy it and have it mean something to them or have it, you know, make an impact in their lives. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, like, I'm glad that like already people have shown such great support for me and like, if I never sell another copy, I am already, like, I have succeeded in what I wanted to do. I wrote a book, I published a book, and mm -hmm. I have gotten to share it with some of the people that I really love. And that's that's the goal. Yeah, that's really awesome. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. I could not genuinely have done it without your help. Aww. I mean, all I did was, like, give, like try to be you as nice a way as possible. So, yeah. You, I feel like you were the, the kind of the, the final stop in making it palatable for others because okay. you are the most, I think, typical reader of my like circle. And so like making it make more sense to you and more palatable to you, I think was what kind of was the turning point to make mm -hmm. it more marketable as a book and less kind okay. of like niche, if that makes any I'll sense. Take it. Yeah, that does. That makes sense. So, yeah, guys, if you would like to read a book that I was, I had some influence over, not, I will say still not a lot, just I helped with, just a little bit, then Tales of, help me, uh, do it. Come on, give it a shot. You got this. Okay, I keep wanting to say Etheria. It's not say okay. it with so much confidence. Just go so confident. Tales of Eritia. So that close. Eritia. Oh, Eritia. Thank you. Okay, Eritia. Yes. Tales of Eritia. I'm going to say it so many times, everyone's going to remember it. Erethea, Erethea, Erethea. Erethea, Erethea. Right. Yeah, no, why, I why, will why say do you again. Make names like this? Yeah, it's it's not spelt in a kind way. Again, yeah. in my brain, like here's a little a little Aaron anecdote. I didn't have a lot of friends growing up, so I mostly just read, which means that everything that I know how to say 
I read it first and didn't know how to say it. I just did it all in the mind palace. And so when I wrote this, it was all in the mind palace. And I forgot that eventually if you want to market things or tell people about them, you sometimes have to speak them. So links to this book will be available in the show notes. And as we've said in this uh, podcast, if you would like to see this or any future episode with video, see our very pretty faces as we're, as we're talking about books and whatnot, uh, be sure to sign up on Patreon. And yeah, now I'm going to invite my good dear friend Erin to join me in the VIP room for the $10 plus patrons to talk about life, the universe and everything. But for everyone else, thank you so much for joining us and I hope you tune in next time. See you everybody.